thankful today that in Jesus Christ you have certainly set us free. You have broken every chain. And as we give you our worship today, we want to be mindful of how good you have been to us, how good you will always be to us, and how that even when we are faithless, you remain faithful, for you cannot disown yourself. And so today, as we continue to worship you through the reading and understanding of your word, I pray that you would be front and center, that you would remove those things that may distract us from hearing your voice, and that today you would teach us what it means to follow Jesus more closely and to love him more deeply. And it's in his good name that we pray, amen and amen. I want to invite you to take your copy of God's word and open up with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be reading one verse of scripture, verse 5, is we're going to talk today about mighty meekness. Now as you're flipping there and turn there, let me give you a couple of disclaimers. I've got a tad of a sinus infection that's been hanging around for a couple of days. It's not COVID. I've had more swabs up my nose over the last two weeks. If, if you have stock in swab, you're going to be getting a good check in a couple of weeks. Uh, dividend check, but uh, it's just a side. So if I have to pause and hack up a lung, just say he's hacking up a lung and we'll go on with it, okay? Uh, the other disclaimer is I don't have my watch with me. <laughs> nah, nah, stop, stop. Oh, oh, 10 people, here, take mine. Uh, I know you'd share yours with me. It's so nice of you to do that, and I appreciate that. But uh, I tell you what, I'll, I'll stop when I finish. How about that? I'll make that promise, okay? <laughs> Matthew chapter 5. We are working through a portion of Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, and we're working through a portion of that that's called the Beatitudes. Each Beatitude reveals to us what it means to live a truly blessed life. It shows us what it would look like if we began to live the qualities and the characteristics that Jesus explains in, in these verses. These are things that, that certainly, as we live them, cause us to, to have a blessed life. But I want you to understand, as we stressed repeatedly through our series so far, that the blessings we enjoy from the hand of God, those blessings come in many different forms. And there's nothing wrong with material blessings. We should celebrate when God blesses us in that way. We can certainly say that we are, are hashtag blessed when, when we want to proclaim the goodness of God and, and what he's blessed us and how he's blessed us with material things. However, you can be the most blessed person in the world and not have a penny to your name so long as you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is what the Beatitudes are showing us. Our status of being in Christ means that we have blessing upon blessing spiritually. And those blessings never expire and they never disappear. The beatitude that we're going to look at today is one of the oddest ones that Jesus issued. It's found in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5. Where Jesus simply says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now it's important to understand, I think, maybe more so than any other beatitude that Jesus spoke, 
to set the stage for what he said. You see, Jesus' people, the Jewish people, they lost their independence about five decades before Jesus was born. Imagine how you would feel if another nation came into our land and that they overcame our military and that they subjected us to their foreign rule and power. This is what the people of God, the Jewish nation, is experiencing some half a century before Jesus is born. They are are looking, even though it's a sad day for them, even though it's very difficult times for them, there is still some kind of hope. They've read the Old Testament. They know that the Bible says something about a Messiah coming who would overthrow the Roman Empire, who would help them find their freedom once again. And so they're looking for this Messiah. They're searching for this Messiah. Jesus comes onto the scene, and his reputation begins to precede him. He begins to do miracles. He begins to work um, wondrous things. He begins to, to, to cause the, the dead to rise and, and the blind to see and the deaf to hear. And, and he begins to do all that. In fact, when Jesus came on the scene, he made this statement, repent for the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. When he said that, all of these Jewish people who were looking for a Messiah said, this might be the one. He's talking about bringing the kingdom of God with him. And as his popularity grew, the people began to say, this is our guy. This is the one who's going to overthrow the Roman power. He's going to give us back our independence. This may be him. And then Jesus began to teach them. Imagine they're looking for a Messiah who's going to kick tell and take names. I had to think of the bright Baptist synonym to use. (laughs) They're looking for a Messiah who's going to flex his muscles and either through miracles or through military oppression overcome the empire. They're not looking for a Messiah who's going to say things like, blessed are the poor in spirit. When they hear this Messiah say, blessed are they that mourn, that's not what they're expecting to hear. And when they hear Jesus say, blessed are the meek, in their minds, they begin to think, there's no way this guy is the Messiah. In fact, they were so disillusioned that Jesus did not meet their expectations that when this Roman government finally captured Jesus and put him side by side to a known criminal named Barabbas, the people looked at him, at Jesus, and they said, there's no way he's a Messiah type. Who wants to hear about meekness? Who wants to hear about poor in spirit? Who wants to hear about hungering and thirsting for righteousness? We wanted someone who was going to fight somebody. This guy is a meek man. He can't be our Messiah. Therefore, crucify him. And Jesus dies in part because he's not the Messiah that they thought he would be. He was a servant. He did not come to overthrow Rome, but to wash the feet of unloving disciples. His life 
was an illustration of humility. He embraced and he exuded meekness. You see, some people, and maybe even some people sitting in this room today, are still looking for a Jesus that meets their misguided expectations. I want you to hear me from a heart of love this morning. We don't get Jesus on our terms. We must get Jesus on his. We do not get to dictate to Jesus what kind of Jesus he is. We must meet him on his terms. And Jesus says that living a blessed life means that, like him, we embrace and we exude meekness. So our task this morning is simply to understand what is meekness. What does it look like when someone is meek? And when I realize that it may not be me that's meek, but I have a desire to be that meek person, how can I have meekness in my life? So I want us to look at it in, in, in three ways. I want us to define meekness. I want us to see it displayed. And then I want us to understand our desire for it. So the first thing we'll look at is the definition of meekness, okay? It is vitally important to define meekness from a biblical perspective because in all honesty, there may not be another quality or characteristic listed in the Beatitudes that is misunderstood, as misunderstood, and wrongly defined in our culture than meekness. You know how words change. Used to, bad meant bad. Back in the 80s, 90s, bad meant good. And now bad means bad again. So as time changes, sometimes our meanings change. And that has certainly happened with meekness. For example, when you open up a dictionary and you look up the word meek, you will find definitions like this. Deficient in courage, quiet in nature, overly submissive or compliant. Who wants to sign up for that? When you get your thesaurus out and you look for those synonyms, synonyms for meekness is docile, mild, soft, passive. One synonym for meekness is spineless. Again, if we were to pass around a sheet of paper asking for people to sign up for meekness based on these definitions, I don't know any of us would sign up because that's how our culture defines it. Meekness, however, is a characteristic of a disciple of Jesus. Therefore, we need to understand what Jesus meant when he said meekness because it's completely different from how our culture defines it. In Jesus' day, they would use the word meekness in several scenarios. For example... If someone had the ability, any of you got hot tempers, you fly off the handily like you're going to admit it right here in church. God knows who you are. Some people, they get mad really, really quick. 
And some people are very passive. Well, in, in Jesus' culture, the term meekness was used to describe a person who found the balance from too little anger to having too much anger. The, the meek person in Jesus' day was neither timid nor was he or she given to fits of anger. Doctors would use the term meekness to describe the medicine that they would prescribe that would cause a soothing medicine. If you have a sickness and you're given too little medicine, it does you really no good. If you have a sickness and you're given too much medicine, it does more harm than good. It it hurts instead of heals. But the, the proper amount, the meek amount, can accomplish its intended purpose. They would use the term meekness in Jesus's culture to describe a, a gentle breeze that blew in from the ocean. Well, they'd also use it on the farm when they would get one of their animals who was wild and they had to domesticate that animal. That animal went through a process of, of meekness. In every context in which Jesus Use the word meekness. The common thread in these descriptions is that meekness represents different forms of power that can be used for positive purposes or evil intentions. Here's your definition of biblical meekness. It simply means power that's under control. Now let's think about this for a second. Wind is powerful. When it's under control, it provides a nice, cool breeze, right? What happens, and we're in Florida, hurricane is the answer. What happens when wind is out of control? Hurricane. That's why we're watching four systems right now, right, in the Atlantic. Or think about a horse, a horse that's out in the wild, That horse has power. That horse can accomplish uh, some great danger. But you get that horse calmed, you get him tamed. When that strength is under control, that horse can be useful. What about fire? Think of that, for example. Fire is is powerful. If you control it, fire can provide a a good place. It can provide warmth. It can provide a place to to, to cook and to eat. But fire out of control results in forest fires and destruction. Meekness is strength under control. Now apply this principle to you. Listen. If your life is surrendered to the Lord, you are blessed, and God will work in you, and God will work through you. But if you fail to surrender your life to the Lord, you will not be a blessing to others. You will be a burden, and you will not experience this hashtag blessed life that Jesus wants you to live. The meek person has their power under control has their sin under control, allows Jesus to help them in putting their sin under control. The meek person is a person who has died to self so that God's power can accomplish God's work in and through that person. 
I wish someone would have written a Bible verse that said something about how I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. That is a meek person. That's biblical meekness. And that's the meekness that we should desire, that we should seek. Meekness is not weakness. So as you seek to follow Jesus, and you tell others that you're seeking meekness, and they go, why don't you want to be a weak, spineless coward? That's not what Jesus means. Meekness is strength under the control of God. That's the definition of meekness. But we also want to understand the display of meekness. What does it look like? <coughs> what does it look like when someone displays meekness in their life? And, and I want you to understand that meekness is displayed in, in both the, the vertical relationship that you have with God and in the horizontal relationships that you have with others. <coughs> now, we don't have time to go through both. Even though I don't have my watch, I know we don't have time to go through both. But when it comes to the meekness that you have in your relationship with God, so let me just reference Psalm 37. That's the psalm that you want to read. Because Psalm 37 talks about the meek person and how they commit their way to God, how they trust in God, okay? So I'm going to trust you <clears throat> that you're going to look at Psalm 37 as you go through this week. That's going to show you how to be meek in the presence of God. But what about how we display that meekness to others? What does that look like? Let me give you a couple of examples of the display of meekness. One example that I want to give you is, is Abraham. <coughs> Remember that Abraham received a covenant from God in Genesis chapter 12. And God said, Abraham, I am going to make your descendants as numerous as the sands of the sea. Abraham, you're the man. You've got the covenant. In Genesis chapter 13, Abraham's peeps and Lot's peeps get in trouble. They have fighting with each other, right? The herdsmen of Abraham, the herdsmen of Lot, they have contention. And so <clears throat> Abraham could have gone to Lot, and Abraham could have said, Lot, I'm the one that's got the covenant. You're the tag-along nephew. You're the guy that we just brought along with us to keep you out of trouble. And I'm the one that's got the, the blessing. Therefore, Lot, what you want doesn't matter. And what you think isn't important. That's what he could have said. But he was a meek person. His strength was under control so that Abraham said, you know what, Lot? Whichever place you choose to live is not going to matter to me. You go ahead and choose your place, and I'll take the other. Go ahead and <clears throat> pick out where you want to live, and I'm confident that God will bless me in where I'm going to. You take what you want, I'll take what's over. That's meekness displayed. That's, that's power under control. That's strength under control. That's Abraham saying, me giving up the best part of the land is not going to change God's promise to me. So why cause a big deal about it? Lot, you take it. I'll take what's left over. Or what about Joseph? Remember Joseph and his Technicolor dream coat that everybody saw? That's a musical, by the way. You need to look up, up that sometime. <clears throat> 
You better yet go see it. Quite funny. And Joseph's brothers throw him into the pit to sell him. And they go on about their business. And, and Joseph gets shipped off to Egypt. And during all those years, Joseph rises in power. And he becomes the prime minister, in effect, of, of Egypt. And all of a sudden, a famine comes to the land of his people, and his family has to come to him and ask for grain, but they don't recognize Joseph. You know what would have happened if Joseph's name was Jonathan? Jonathan would have said, hey, pals, let me tell you a little story before I tell you no. But Joseph's not Jonathan. Joseph was meek. Joseph had the power to destroy them. But Joseph knew that vengeance belongs to the Lord. And so Joseph blessed his family, despite the wrongdoing that he had experienced at their hand. That's meekness. That is strength that he's putting under control. Or here's maybe my favorite example. You know, in the Bible, there are only two people who've ever been called meek. I'll give you the guess on one of them. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus described, man, if y'all missed that, we got to start all back over. Jesus was described, described himself as a meek person. But the other person, the only other person in the Bible who's called meek is Moses. There's a very interesting account that happens in the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 12. Moses' first wife, Zipporah, had died. And he had married another woman from the land of Cush. She was a Cushite. Well, Moses' brother and sister, Aaron and Miriam, they did not like his choice of a wife. In fact, they didn't like Moses so much in the leadership position he was in. And so he was open. Moses was openly criticized by his brother and sister, Aaron and Miriam. They challenged his leadership by saying, has the Lord spoken just through Moses? Doesn't God also speak through us? God wasn't pleased with Miriam's critique and her attitude. And as a result, God gave her a very unwelcome gift called leprosy. During this whole time, Moses doesn't say a word. The first time Moses speaks is in Numbers 12, 13. And guess what he says when he speaks in the middle of his attack, his character being called into question, and his leadership abilities being called into question? He does not seek revenge. Instead, when he speaks, he prays, he begs God to heal his sister. Moses did not seek revenge. He kept quiet and let God take up his calls. And when he did finally open his mouth, it was to intercede for the person who had challenged and chastised him. Does that sound familiar to someone else we know? who when he was reviled and accused did not say a word, entrusted his future to God, and forgave those who sought to harm him. That's meekness. That's just three examples. We have several others on the table. That's just three. I want to challenge you to do something very uncomfortable. And that is to look in your life and see if you can detect 
times in your life when you've displayed meekness. That you've acted like Joseph would have acted. That you did maybe what Moses would have done. That you entrusted your future to God. And when you had the power to show revenge and retribution, you chose to show grace and mercy. That's the display of meekness. Now what you say, as I said, as I prepared this message this week, that meekness is a great thing, but I don't have much of it, but I, I desire it. I want to be a meek person. How then can I become a meek person? That's the last thing we look at, the desire for meekness. <clears throat> if you ask the Spirit of God to search your heart, to help you determine if you're a meek person, you will likely see your need to embrace meekness. Do you desire to be meek? If you desire that, there is a way to experience it. Here's what the, the totality of Scripture teaches us about desiring meekness. If you desire meekness, <clears throat> the very first thing you need to do is study the Son of God. If you desire meekness, you should study the Son of God. Jesus uses a lot of titles to describe himself, but he really doesn't use very many virtues to describe himself. But one of the virtues he uses is the virtue of meekness. He says in Matthew eleven twenty nine, take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. He uses that term yoke. When an ox accepted the yoke, it modeled meekness. The, the ox was still very powerful, but his power was under the control of of another person. And Jesus says, look, I want you to join up with me so we can walk side by side. I, Jesus says, I want to work with you. I want to walk with you through the trials of life as one. As you yield to my yoke, Jesus says, you will learn from me and discover that I am meek and you will become meeker yourself. If you want to be a meek person who inherits the earth, study the Son of God. Second, if you desire meekness, you should submit to the Word of God. As you study the Son of God, you should then submit <coughs> to the Word of God. God's Word, the Bible, is the bit and the bridle that controls our spirits. Listen, you will never place your power under God's control without submitting to God's Word. Did you hear that? You will never place your power under God's control without submitting to God's word. That's why James tells us in James chapter 1 verse 21 to receive with meekness the implanted word. And that word receive means to welcome with humility. If you truly desire meekness in your life, submit yourself to the counsel and commands of the Word of God. If you want to be meek, you have to study the Son of God. You need to submit to the Word of God. But thirdly, you should surrender to the Spirit of God. Surrender to the Spirit of God. Paul lists for us and and you know the verses probably pretty well, the fruit of the Spirit. And part of the fruit of the Spirit is meekness. It uses the word gentleness in Galatians chapter 5. You see, fruit 
It's not something that we do. It's something that we display. Our job is not to produce the fruit, but allow the Spirit of God to produce the fruit in our lives. Meekness will only be found in a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. Our task becomes to live by the Spirit and to keep in step with the Spirit. Have you asked the Holy Spirit to make you meek? Maybe for some of you, that's the only step separating you from meekness is asking God's Spirit, surrendering to God's Spirit, and asking God's Spirit to make you meek. You should desire meekness. You should seek to be made meek because of what Jesus said, blessed are the meek. That blessed life we can experience now, and it's also available to be experienced in the future because Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That word inherit means to receive an allotted portion. It's a It's a future tense verb. You see, Jesus is going to return to this earth one day. And once it's all settled and done, he's going to create a new earth. And those who are meek will inherit that earth with him. If you are a Christian today, if you are a follower of Jesus today, you are God's heir. You are a joint heir with Jesus. There might be seasons of suffering now, but when Jesus returns, we will reign with him as we inherit the earth. You say, Pastor, that sounds great but you don't know my personality. Pastor, that sounds great, but you don't know my past. Pastor, that sounds great, but it's not possible. Pastor, I am not meek, and no matter how hard I try, I cannot become meek. My counsel to you then is to stop it. Stop trying to become meek. It's kind of like when you try to be humble, Because when you think you get there, you brag about your humility. It's kind of the same rule with meekness. If you work to get there and you think you can accomplish it, one, you never do reach it. But when you think you do, you become an obnoxious Christian jerk. Stop trying to produce your own meekness. Stop trying to control your own life. It's impossible in your effort. Meekness is not in our realm of ability. However, meekness can be created in a person through the work, the saving work of Jesus Christ. If you don't have a relationship with this Jesus today, this meek Jesus who was the ultimate example of power under control, who had the power to call down legions of angels to save him from the cross, but in his meekness he chose to have that strength under control and offer his life as a sacrifice for our sin. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, he's the only hope you have of inheriting the earth with him, of ruling and reigning with him. If you do have a relationship with Jesus today, learn from 
from him. Study this Son of God. Submit yourself to the Word of God. Surrender to the Holy Spirit of God. Follow his example. And as you live a life of meekness that God gives to you, as you surrender your life and control of your life and actions to him, you will find that you indeed live a blessed life. Would you bow with me this morning? As we bow together and we prepare for our time of commitment, maybe through the foolishness of preaching this morning, God has placed it upon your heart that you need a relationship with this meek Jesus, this Jesus who had the power to take himself down from the cross, but surrendered himself to the will of God. Maybe today you realize that you need that relationship. Would you just cry out to God? In a few minutes when I pray, would you just spend a moment praying to this meek Jesus, asking him to save you from your sins as best you know how and as best you can, confessing your sins to God and asking to receive his salvation. But maybe you're listening to my voice today and you've made that decision already. Is meekness coming from your life? Or is there part of your strength that you have yet to surrender to God? Whatever whatever is not surrendered to God cannot be controlled by God in your life. I would encourage you today to surrender all that you are, all that you have to the mercy and the grace of God. Father God, I thank you that Jesus was meek for us. That though he had the ability to come down from the cross, even though he had that power and that strength, he placed it under your control. What an example for us today. I pray for whatever decisions we need to make today, whatever step we need to take next, may we trust you as we take that step in Jesus' name.